Welcome into the Edge Kingsland podcast, the ongoing, never-ending lockdown edition, and uh, we are continuing to talk about holiness with a W, which is really a series exploring what it is to be human and how our spirituality intersects with our very real lives and helps us move towards wholeness. And and throughout the series, we've been talking about the idea of wholeness as connected to the sense of our relationships with God, with self, with others, and with creation, the sense of how our spirituality and our faith is actually what helps us to cultivate those connections and navigate the complex territory of our lives. So it's not about perfection or uh, anything like that. It's it's about inhabiting our lives and and sensing and experiencing and working through what it is to be whole. Um, and today we're joined by Katerina Kircher. Hello, Katerina. Hello. Uh, welcome, and we're both in West Auckland, but uh, once again, as yeah. with a few of these conversations, we, we could just just as well be in other countries at the moment. Uh, but here we are, separated by a few kilometres across the uh, the west of Auckland. Uh, and today we're going to talk about the, I guess, the, the, the delicate and challenging conversation around how we navigate grief and loss in our lives. And we've, we're exploring this in the in relation to holiness because uh, I feel like sometimes when we talk about wholeness and we talk about um, flourishing and we talk about all of these lovely words that we associate with, you know, being truly human and the Imago Dei, uh, sometimes what happens is we, we end up with this um, abstract or almost idealistic view of ourselves or of our lives uh, and and yet our lives are filled with complexity and with loss and with uh, at times you know very real pain and grief and and suffering and how we work through that is I think something or how it works I don't even know if that's the right phrase work through it but how we how we live through that is something that all of us have to wrestle with and deal with and navigate sometimes more sometimes less but it's but it's common to our human experience and so we want to talk about that today. So Katarina is joining us to have that conversation and bring some of her lovely wisdom and way. So thank you. Um, I wanted to start with with perhaps the sense that, um, you know, one of the things that's been coming up through the series is how our current contemporary Western society, uh, for all of its good things that it has, also creates some challenges and obstacles for us in in experiencing wholeness in our lives and experiencing real humanness. And I think one of the things I observe is that we have this struggle, I think, to know what to do with grief and loss. It just kind of feels like it it's it's not something we're particularly equipped to navigate. Do you do you have any thoughts like as to why that is for us? Um yeah, thanks Michael. I um Actually, when you sent the question through, I really sort of um, read them very much in the context we are currently in, which is the pandemic mm. and um, particularly Auckland, because most of it, I think we're in Auckland and um, with this extended lockdown. And I think um, I've sort of came to that realization myself that part, some of what I'm experiencing right now is a sense of grief mm. um, because with this, with the pandemic and with the lockdown and with the restrictions, we all experience um, 
certain things just not being able to be we can't do things we can't connect with people we care about we can't do things that do the things we value um and i think all of us in some way whether we are aware of it or not there are elements of grief in all of our lives mm. and um why you know why is it so difficult to touch on grief um I think it's we just fear it I think when we mm. think grief we in, instantly think about I guess significant loss like mm. death and um and when you asked me to talk I I actually went found myself straight away going to the Kubler-Ross model of grief and I don't know for those of you who are not familiar with it it was it came out in the late 70s I think it was a woman who wrote a book on death and dying um, and she initially came up with these ideas of these stages of grief mm-hmm. and she got um and I can go through them if you like and and people will say oh yeah I can connect with it and but it eventually the book became or the idea became much maligned because it talked about stages like as if we are like this linear journey one two three mm. and we're through mm. and then over the years they um reimagined this idea and these days we talk way more about the cycle a grief cycle right and i think that's if you if you explore what's going on for you from a point of view that it's you it's a journey you're on and you will come through it then it might be a bit easier to lean into the idea and perhaps break it down for how we experience grief it might also help to understand a little bit more what grief might mean for us or how it plays out in our lives mm. okay well do you want to do you want to talk to a little bit of that then how those yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, and I'm, I think a lot of people, whether they're familiar with Kubler-Ross, will, will know the idea of the stages of of, of grief um, yeah, that have become quite popularized and then criticized. Um, so how how can how can those some of those th- what are they and how how can they be helpful in terms of thinking more about the cycles of of, yeah. of grief? Do you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think before I go into those mm. um, stages or the points on the journey of the cycle i also need want to i think it's really important to to point out that as individuals we are all different mm. so some people are more prefer thinking some p- people are more sen- sensing they just or more, and some people are more emotional so some people are much more experience the world way more through their body some people experience their world way more through ideas and having to think things through Mm -hmm. and some people are much more emotional in their response to the Mm -hmm. world and that's also has really influences how we experience grief yeah that's good so the just sort of to give a brief sort of overview there are five she talks about five states so to speak and so the first one she talks about is denial and that's when something bad happens including i don't know i can relate it to the pandemic thing the last thing you know tuesday 17th of august suddenly there's a case oh my god can't be true surely not Mm. surely not and that sort of panic 
and sort of to or maybe it's still a mistake in clinging to the idea or maybe maybe it's just not quite real and trying to cling to a preferred reality and in a way denial is not necessarily all bad because it helps us to pace our response and our feelings because mm. we only can handle so much and um and usually when we are when we initially when something really difficult happens we try and get away from it we get confused we get shock or almost this extra surging energy going whoa you know when people go yay lockdown quickly bring out all the gloves and the mask and the bags and buy all the toilet paper that's almost an element of denying it it's the excitement almost of something right. terrible mm, you know people mm. on the phone everybody needs to know mm. and then that's often then then another stage of um of grief or coming to terms with something that's really difficult is is then the anger. This is not fair. But interestingly, a lot of people are not comfortable with anger, or they can see the anger in others, but they don't like to feel the anger themselves. And often it can show up as anxiety. Mm, right. And I then often encourage people when they say, oh, I'm so anxious, I'm so um, upset. I say, are you really or what? How about anger? And then when people have permission to say, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm angry something's just shattered here for me and it's mm. not fair mm. and it's not a, a stage we enjoy it's not an anger it's usually it's an uncomfortable emotion and people try to not feel it or quickly move through it mm. when i keep on saying yeah anger is just like any other feeling um so it's it's part of the cocktail that's us mm. and uh and to not be afraid of your own anger. Do you, do you think uh, do you think gender plays a role in that too, in terms of expectations around how people can respond? Like, I feel Absolutely. like anger is a more acceptable emotion for a man to feel in some respect. Do you think that's true? Absolutely. I mm. think it's very much a it's a it has a masculine energy, and I think women often don't um, want to lean into their or I'm not even aware I can, as a woman, have a masculine, a strong energy mm. that I can be angry. Like we want men to have a feminine energy, be understanding, be listening, and 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 really display a fem feminine qualities. And equally, women um, need to be open that they have masculine energies, and anger is non-gender. Mm. Um, all right, so we've got. Um... We've got denial, denial anger. and anger. And can I just say as well, because it's just making me think of things, so I'll just keep jumping yeah, yeah. in because I do. Uh, it seems like there has been a certain degree of, well, those things can be a really normal and healthy part of the process. And then it feels like we can also, um, well, I, I see surfacing, like so for example in the, in the pandemic at the moment. Um, which is, I guess, it's, it's something to talk about because it's a, it's kind of a corporate or communal experience that we're yeah. all going through, even though we're going through it in our different ways. And, and in that sense, perhaps it's a, it's a touchstone for all of us to be able to recognize and, and observe and experience together, uh, even though there are obviously more individualized experiences of loss and grief that we experience in our lives. But um, those kind of uh, reflections of, of denial and, and anger 
also find their way into opinions, right, of this, no, this is not as bad, this this isn't a thing. We're, we're worrying about nothing or um, even some of the kind of protest anger that, that comes out. It seems to me is really just people trying to find ways to process the sense of kind of loss and grief that they are uh, maybe not in touch with or or, or or aren't able to acknowledge in that way but it, but it surfaces in all of these 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 senses mm. of, of denial and anger and protest and those are very understandable if you think about them in, in those ways does that make sense yeah yes I agree mm. and I think you're probably what you're touching on is that other aspect of grief which is bargaining right yeah so yeah. we if I do a little bit of that and maybe I, and it, then it it gets better or I feel better about it touch a little bit on the anger but not quite going there can't be true again and um, we try to negotiate our way through something that's actually non-negotiable mm. a loss that's not negotiable negotiable because I think that's and perhaps that's why we so dislike grief because grief tends to be about a loss mm. and a loss is really quite a, a final thing i think mm. a loss you know that loss of innocence or loss of a loved one loss of freedom um yeah yeah there's a there's a lack of control that comes with that isn't there that, totally that we something is and and, and maybe that's a Part of why in the West we struggle with it is because I think we have become used to controlling much of our lives to some degree yes. or feeling like we do. Um, and so there's something about loss and about the grief that comes with it that doesn't feel so controllable for us. Yeah. Mm. And so I guess then the, another the next aspect yeah. of that whole grief cycle then would be, and I get closely tied in with the loss is depression mm. and that real sinking low energy sad space where we often feel it's we feel like we live in a bit of a, a fog mm. where we want to withdraw from everything where everything seems too much and too overwhelming i just don't want to be in my day mm. and I, that again it's a very normal response it's outside of what we set out uh, on our you know to expect it's outside of our expectations mm. and would be helpful mm. we are we are allowed to have moments like that um, and not to judge yourself for it mm. what's wrong with me well you're really really sad and it's not until we really allow ourselves to touch on the difficulty of our situation can we actually begin to befriend it this mm. is this is my new reality i don't like it i wish it would would go away i wish it wasn't so and that's where they talk about acceptance and i think you and i michael have talked beforehand that mm. i don't like the word acceptance because <laughs> it's it's so final and so so big so big i mm. you know and some things are unacceptable mm. but um it's more befriending this is how it is i don't like it you don't have to like something in order to befriend it or say it is what it is but it's an unnecessary place because 
when we in that place our emotions can stabilize right. we're not sort of at the mercy of all our uncomfortable emotions and being bullied about by our own um, difficult process what's going on in our mm. heads in our bodies in our hearts and, and so when you think about all of this as cycles rather than, or a cycle rather yeah. than stages, can you, yeah. can you unpack that a little bit for us in terms of, so rather than just the linear, I start here and then I move yeah. here, here, here. Um, how, how yeah. do you think about it in, in a helpful way? All these things can actually happen at once mm. or together, or it can be a moment to moment experience. And, um, I, for a long time, actually, now I've um, um, used a practice called the RAIN practice, and it stands for recognizing, allowing, being curious, investigating it, what's going on for you, and then nurturing that part that's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And if we approach our grief in that way, whatever shape the grief might take, in our own selves, in our own lives, and how it shows up. But if we be, if we spend time to, first of all, recognize it, to slow down, slow down from the frantic, it can't be true, you know, denying it, bargaining, taking a deep breath, preferably a deep breath out rather than just, <laughs> yeah. And, um, Checking in with ourselves, mm. what's going on for me and, and being brave enough to recognize, oh, I think I'm really angry or I'm really sad or I'm really irritated about something. And what is what's underneath that? Being curious, be curious about your own experience without judging it, without trying to come to a quick fix or finish mm. and allowing it to be there, allowing your sadness you're overwhelmed to have a voice to be seen and felt, then you stand the best chance to give yourself what you need and to nurture, to, to nurture yourself and to, and to process it in a healthy way. Mm. Mm. And in a sense that, you know, that is an uncomfortable process to some degree. Um, and and the idea of befriending, the idea of actually paying attention rather than trying to make it go away, you know, almost feels counter to our instinct, which is to, or which can be, um, to try and make these feelings disappear so that I don't have to feel them. Yeah. Um, it's not very efficient, kind of gets in the way of life <laughs> to some degree, you know. Um, yeah makes us maybe feel less productive or less um, competent or less than. less than all the things we're supposed to be. And so the temptation there is to, is for many of us, I think, is to bury or to suppress or to distract or, um, or whatever it might be. Um, but do you think, I'm going to guess you're, you're going to say yes to this, so maybe I should rephrase the question. I feel like you'd say yes, that it's an important thing that we actually acknowledge and, and sit with and befriend and, and work through. Um, 
Why do you think that is? Why is why is that um, more helpful for us than burying and um, and distracting? Um, there is a saying that says, "The grief that has no tears makes other organs weep." Mm. And I think if grief is is part of who we are. It's part of the human experience. And if we want to be fully human, we want to be whole, which the series mm. alludes to, mm. then it's part of being fully alive. Mm. And if we are not brave and not open that to the idea that grief, even in its most grimmest form, is part of our shared human experience we are not fully alive we're not fully human mm. but i guess what i just in saying that i think it's important to remember that we all share in this experience mm. and when often when we do experience grief the first thing we think we are alone in it it's sort of almost we're embarrassed or ashamed that something must be wrong with us that we are that experiencing this when in fact we all suffer in this way mm. this is how it feels when something bad happens we all experience grief mm. yeah that that's i think a really important idea because um, one of the things that's happened i think in my life when i've journeyed through things that have uh, given rise to grief and experiences of lof loss is that you can suddenly feel like you're somehow um, on the outside of the world and everyone, and the world is just kind of carrying on and here you are um, having this kind of almost out-of-body experience it can feel like at times or uh, everywhere you go feels like a very harsh environment. It feels like um, nobody else is aware nobody else uh, feels what you're feeling everybody else's lives are fine uh, and yeah. the world is just rolling on by you and there you are kind of going I don't think I belong anymore do you know what I mean absolutely um, and so that feeling of isolation and aloneness and maybe maybe partly that's because we're not very good in in a wider sense at actually acknowledging and being honest about the various griefs that we're experiencing because then one of the other things that happened over time in that place is when you're honest and you share about it or you talk about it is that then you find all of these people coming and talking to you and sharing their experiences and you realize oh this room full of people that I thought were all doing great while I was suffering were actually all holding their own stories and or many of them you know holding these experiences and stories of difficulty and grief and pain and um and in that sense then realizing oh i'm not actually this is not some kind of you i'm not on my own in this uh, this is something that is just integral to our humanness and and to what it is to be human and something that we all share and so in that sense there's no shame to be experienced with that or no sense of oh, I was just someone who couldn't cope whereas everybody else can you know those feelings that can that can come up that really complicate 
the the journey of of grief for us does all of that make sense to you yes i think what comes to mind for me right now is of nothing can be done when there is actually plenty we can do and need to do to process this mm. grief or walk walk the grief this journey come out at the other side and again and again or surf through that big wave of grief i think it's important to talk about um what can you do what can you do when you experience grief and i think you just alluded to it sharing you know sharing with others to have that sense hey i'm not alone here the world's not just go rolling by whilst I'm really detached. I think we all, um, in my work as an occupational therapist um, and mindfulness teacher, we often talk about having your own wellness kitty or your little bag of tricks or your little toolbox that um, you you put things together, skills and things that help you when you're having a hard time. Mm. And, it, and it's really individual, but some things are um, shared. You know, like um, the number one thing I would say, I thought if, if Michael said one thing to say about <laughs> grief, what would it be? I thought it would be be gentle. Mm. Be gentle with yourself. Be gentle with one another when you're going through grief mm. and when... Yeah, when grief visits you, be gentle. No big, God must do this, must do that. No, there's no musts. And maybe more, what, what would help me now? And it can be, you might need to cycle through your toolbox a few times to say, oh, what's helping today? And by all means, there in there is chocolate, <laughs> cake, bath, sitting in the sunshine, talking to a friend, knitting, playing with your... Um, CD or LP collection, having some music um, mm. that helps ease your heart, being in the garden, playing with kids or borrow some kids and play with them. <laughs> with permission, um, of course. Yeah. Um, giving, you know, giving, give, giving something little, also sort of engaging with others, mm. finding a cause, Um and I'm not saying now suddenly sign up to do something huge, but you could it could just be putting something in the local um, community pantry, um, mm. a can from your own pan from your own cupboard, and just little acts of kindness to others and to yourself, mm. and sort of continue to knit yourself into the fabric of the community mm. uh, really helps. Mm. That's those are all very. I think practical things mm. to help. And I think that's really important because sometimes we can feel like the only way to navigate this um, is to kind of process the depths of all of the things that I'm feeling. And and there is, you know, important part mm -hmm. to play in, in that. Mm. And whether that's having, you know, some kind of therapy to help you work through some of those big conversations and have places to share that. But sometimes if that's the only kind of thing in your toolbox, that can be overwhelming too because you don't always feel like, well, you don't necessarily feel like that's what you want to do every 
day <laughs> um, or that, you know, okay, I did that in the morning, but what am I going to do this afternoon to help me? And sometimes you can only have so many of those conversations or that reflection or deep sense of processing. Yeah. And so having something like going and sitting in the sunshine um, and having a nice, you know, piece of cake or drink or talking to a friend, you know, those or, or sitting in the garden or, or giving something even uh, small, those become, I think, very helpful bite-sized things that are available to us. And I think, um, you know, we here in this space, we often talk about paying attention, leaning in and mindfulness and all of that. But actually it's a bit like, you know, when you're uh, your little, when roof is full over and scratch, you know, hurts his knee. Oh, ooh, it's really sore. But we also might say, hey, how about we have a lolly whilst I'm going to get a bandage? Mm. And then that lolly, that that little distraction just helps ease the way through. So don't hear me say you've got to all sit cross-legged and ponder the depth of your grief. Um, it's, mm. it's Distraction is great mm. too. Mm. And, you know, I think, like you said, gentleness becomes such a central framing idea or experience um, to hold in this journey because we are very, very quick often to to judge and to categorize and to decide what should be done or should be felt. And so that gentleness is really important. One of the fruit of the spirit, actually, gentleness, not talked about very often, but yeah. very important, I think. Yeah. Um, and as you're talking, I think also there's a huge cultural component to grief, mm. um, and sort of the often the more traditional cultures or indigenous cultures have a much more make much more room for grief and corporate grief mm. and shared grief. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth and taking days out to. Mm really um, be just be together and talk about what's happened and talk it out thrash it out drum it out whereas um in the sort of more consumerist society you know it's it's an unpleasant thing um so better best not you know keep it quiet keep mm. it it's a private affair mm. there are not many public places to mourn and be sad Whereas in more traditional societies, potentially there is more, just more space mm. to, to live that part of life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I remember actually when I, I was like a university student and had to get a summer job in a supermarket warehouse, um, loading dock <clears throat> and, uh, and there was a um, a Samoan guy who also worked in that space. He was one of the permanent staff. And someone in his family died, and he had to go away to the to the um, the funeral and the family gatherings and so on. And he was away for a number of weeks. And and I remember the the supermarket boss, you know, classic supermarket manager, in in the sense that he was a, a sort of a you know a white middle aged man who 
uh, came down and, and sort of chatted to me and was it was just sort of struggling to understand why this was all taking so long and um, and how that couldn't possibly be a good thing and it was getting in the way of this guy's job and, you know, all of these very, um, I guess, economy-based <laughs> judgments, if you like, about the way on which this... Um, much longer and more communal experience of grieving was taking place and for this family and um, and it really strikes me now that that the, that big cultural element is is really plays a big role in the way that we process some of this um, and and our priority so often for the well, I mean we're seeing that again in the pandemic you know uh, the priority for the economy and the things and the things that roll on um, are seen as often more important than our ability to process through walk through and journey through grief with people or with it for ourselves maybe as a way of of bringing the conversation toward an end um yeah what about god and all of this god uh, yes let's um Let's think about that for a moment. Um, how do you think about spirituality here or about the way in which uh, our faith, our experience of God might um, be something meaningful for us in this in this journey of grief? How do you think about some of that? When I was thinking about the topic and in the week how it's been or the last few weeks and I was reminded of, that God is the great comforter, you know, that brings mm. comfort. And God is faithful. God is, in, you know how it says in the Bible, God who neither slumbers nor sleeps closer than our breath. Mm. And I find that immensely helpful when I'm grieving, that I can lean into that this is a truth that God is always the same and how um, I remember I was going through a really difficult time and really dark and um, I was it was winter and I was looking outside my window and I said God you know where are you in all of this and outside was a duck sitting and there were all these little ducklings trying to get under the mother duck tucking and she made herself really fat and fluffy this duck to let these ducklings in. and then I had this real sense saying God look this is me you know like this is me for you I'm I'm like that duck or in the Bible it talks about that mother hen you know mm. we can snuggle in we the great thing about the Christian God is um it's I am that that caring. I'm really approachable. I'm I'm here for you, and you can snuggle up to me. Mm. And I think that's I don't know. It's a pe pretty personal thing that I need and what's mm. meaningful to me. But I I every now and again I need to snuggle up to God. I can't be. I can only be little and achy and overwhelmed and all those things. So just spread your wings over me. Mm. That's beautiful. I think, um, yeah, this, this idea of we sort of maybe we take it for granted a little bit, but this idea that, that God is 
is deeply compassionate and loving and near and um, and a comfort. Though so those are not always ideas that humans have held about God or the gods, oh. uh, and and so I think it's something that that we must remind ourselves perhaps is 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 what we believe to be deeply true about God, uh, and and that allows us perhaps to to trust God in that space, um, to come near and and to be safe and um, yeah, I think that's beautiful. Um, in terms of how we perhaps, you know, how do we be friends to each other as we, you know, as people in our lives perhaps are, are going through, um, experiences of, of loss and grief, uh, maybe at times when it's not so acute for us, how do we be good friends uh, for one another in these times? Stay in touch, mm. whatever that means person might not want to talk um and i think what's the most unhelpful thing to do and not to do is tell me when you need me right tell me give me you know i'll be around just give me a give me a call i'll come around that person will not call Mm. the person who is grieving and when you know somebody is going through a very difficult time they're not the ones to reach out especially when it's very grim. Maybe sometimes you say, hey, I need to go for a walk or can we chat? Can I, I need to see a face. Um, and, you know, not easy in level three, but mm. be creative. Um, send postcards again, maybe, or parcels or drop something off if you can. Um, mm. You know, some, make that casserole, bake those biscuits. Um, send a, an emoji um, you'll find ways and just follow follow that creative urge and mm. when you're thinking about a friend and when you I think when somebody's on your mind then it's probably a, a nice prompt to follow that prompt I had a lovely text from Sophie um, you know from church Sophie and it just said, you've been on my mind, how are you doing? And I, it was just lovely to receive. Mm. Um, so when you have an urge and think about someone, just reach out, touch, the, touch base with them. Yeah, great. All right, and did you, um, did you have a poem, a poem you wanted yeah, to finish with? I was, my, one of my favorite poems is a Sufi poet, Rumi. Mm. And this, and the line is, don't turn away, keep your gaze on the bandaged place. That's where the light enters you. And I like that poem in the context of grief. Don't turn away, keep your gaze on the bandaged place. That's where the light enters you. Mm. Be with what's painful and that's where the light will also come and where god will meet you and you're not alone Mm. yeah that's a beautiful place to finish thank you